The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. This episode is sponsored by UnityVillage.org. Songwriter Karen Drucker returns to Unity Village with A Woman's Time Out Retreat, September 19th to 22nd. Learn more at UnityVillage.org forward slash events calendar. Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Fascinating interviews and compelling conversations. Be present. The Diane Ray Show. Welcome to the show, everybody. I'm so glad you could join me. I'm going to have just a fascinating conversation today. So wherever you are joining the show, whether you're checking out the podcast later or you're joining me live right now on Unity Online Radio, I'm so glad that uh, you caught me here spinning out in the cosmos. So welcome. You know, recently there's been some fascinating information in the news here. Fiction has become fact over the past few months as the U.S. government has officially recognized the existence of UFOs as a reality. I mean, this is just amazing information. U.S. intelligence agencies have delivered a report to Congress. More questions are being asked as to what these things are. What do they want? Many of us have seen the videos released by trained Navy and Air Force pilots showing unexplained objects on radar, traveling at at incredible speeds, and performing maneuvers that are just impossible with our current technology and ability And maybe you out there have seen something that you can't explain and you've been afraid to talk about it or you're curious, what could this possibly be? Well, my guest today has curated a fascinating collection of essays that are written by some of the best minds and leading experts on this subject. Former government officials, scientists, researchers, and others give their expert opinions in Alan Steinfeld's book, Making Contact, Preparing for the New Realities of Extraterrestrial Existence. And in the book, Alan addresses the question, how can we prepare for an event that is beyond anything that humanity has ever faced? And he's a really interesting guy. He's an explorer of consciousness, a researcher and broadcaster who has hosted and produced the weekly TV series called New Realities. He has 68,000 subscribers to his YouTube channel, and there's been over 20 million views of his programs. And Alan joins me today from Sedona. And thanks for taking some time to talk to me today. Well, I love talking about this probably with anyone who's willing to talk about this subject. So thank you, Diane. Well, I'm I'm willing and able, and I know all of my listening audience out there is going to be just fascinated with the subject that we're going to be bringing up today. So I've really been enjoying the book, and it's a collection of, of different essays from experts and and this is going to just blow the top off of people's heads, I think. I mean, what do you hope people will take away from reading the book? Do you think more people will come forward to share experiences? Well, yes, that's part of my hope is that we are in the middle of a huge paradigm shift. I know that's a little cliche. It's been overused, that word. But, you know, it seems like paradigms are based on what people believe and what their worldviews are. So, as the government releases more and more information, just saying that UFOs are real already shakes people up. I mean, it shakes them up in a good way. You know, that saying, seek and you will find, and when you find, you'll be troubled. (laughs) 
And when you've been troubled, you will wonder and, and marvel. So this is like the troubling phase because the reality that we've been living in, that we're the only life form and life is an accident and, you know, it's meaningless. That is all about to change in this sort of official view. I mean, we need sort of official sanctions of reality to help other people understand what their world and life is about. Of course, we're also moving to a more subjective understanding of reality, which is what the quantum physics revolution's here to show us. But what's happening now is that the world, as we have known, is suddenly not what we thought. We thought we were all alone. And now the government, the government of all people are saying there's something else in our skies that we can't explain. Of course, they're not mentioning the A word, which is the alien word, but at least the first step is to say, well, there's something out there and it's not ours. And like, as some of these Pentagon people have said indirectly, they've said, well, it's not from any country. We, that's what they're saying, but indirectly they're applying it's from another world. But what they're saying, it's not from any country we know, which is a really childish way of saying it's from someplace else. It's from another world. So what I hope from this book is to... For people to understand the phenomenon is not just a recent occurrence. It's been going on at least since 1947 with the crash. And I think it was a crash or some kind of a, mm, letdown of a UFO in Roswell, New Mexico. It's sort of the modern day ufology, which is now becoming current history, current affairs and, and sociology began really post-war World War II. And that part of the reason I think it was co covered up back then was because, you know, it was, World War II was quite a, a big deal for the planet. And now to introduce a whole other thing in 47, I think it was decided by Truman that it was not mm, right for that time. And so you build one level of lie and denial, and then you have to keep the story going, and then it's going, and then it just snowballs. So we have a big mess of trying to undo 75 years of manipulation, lies, and um, denials. But this book, I think, sets people off on a new trajectory, a new history, a new possibility. Well, it really opened me up to question some things and, uh, you know, kind of opened my head a little bit. And I think people are really going to enjoy it. And so from, from what you're saying, as far as now with the government releasing this kind of information, um, and, and what was interesting to me is people uh, from different governments, like uh, the you know British Ministry of Defense, there's a great essay by Nick Pope in there, and we'll talk about that. Yes. But the, the idea that the government's coming forward with this information now, I mean, do you think it, there's just been too much evidence, too many... Um, people sharing experiences. And now that we're so connected, you know, there's so much communication that, you know, to try to explain things away, like saying it's a weather balloon just isn't going to fly anymore, that they kind of had to come forward now. Yeah. Well, that's like, no one really knows. I talked to the people who've been researching this for 56 years. I mean, I have a couple of guesses why it's coming out now, but nobody really knows what's going on inside government? There seems to be like uh, some kind of fracture within the monolithic um, denials that have been, that have been going on. There might be, there's a guy named Luis Alessandro who worked for the Pentagon and what in 2007 to 2012, I'm sure you've heard of him, right? Luis, 
he was on 60 Minutes and uh, my yes. favorite line of that 60 Minutes interview was the first thing that Bill Whitaker says to Al- Louis Alexander. He says, well, come on, are UFOs real? And Alexander says, Bill, we're already past that phase. The government has admitted UFOs are real. So let's take the conversation a little further. So there's something happening, I think, inside the you know, the official walls of government that some maybe some people are saying, no, it's time for the truth. Other people say, no, we he can't. That's one thing. I think people are having more personal experiences. They're showing up in people's dreams, these beings. I mean, that's why they show up to me. And we're having more worldwide sightings. That is really key to why this is coming out now. And maybe the the ETs, and I don't know, are saying to the government, you either tell them or we're going to tell them. It's like, you know, it's like your mother. Okay, you tell what went on or we're going to tell them. So it's like, it's sort of like that. So there's many different factors. And yes, I think what you said, the internet and it's out and people are talking about this. And the other huge thing is that we've just been through a very abnormal time, the quarantine. Everyone's been in there a house for um, two years, and that's taken us out of sort of the old way of thinking about reality. And I think in a way it's the perfect time for this sort of totally, now for something completely different sort of thing to come in because people are more primed for something new than ever before. We've had to deal with this unexpected thing. It's like, you know, the dark ages produced the Renaissance. So we just come through or we're still coming out of the dark ages. And this is a Renaissance on all levels for humanity. And it's very exciting. It is. I'm, I'm very excited and definitely I'm excited to talk about uh, some of the things that I read in this book. But first of all, there was some new language that I had to get used to, new descriptions and explanation for things. And the word UFO that we've used forever, unidentified flying object, is now called an unidentified aerial phenomenon. Why the rebranding? Well, that is a great question. You know, I think before there were UFOs, they were called flying saucers. That was like the term in the 40s and 50s. Then in the 60s, I think they were still like, that was a little crossover. UFOs, flying saucers, UFOs are a little more official, but you know, it really doesn't mean anything. If you see something and you call it unidentified, you're not really identifying it. You just think you're, it's nothing to call something unidentified. But what happened was that got a kind of spooky, eerie, sort of quirky sort of um, associations and UFOs and all those awful movies, Independence Day. So there was, Nick Pope actually talks about that in Britain, there was something called the Condine Report where they started to use this term unidentified aerial phenomena. So we go basically from object to phenomena, and now the U.S. government is using that. And I think they're giving us a key to what's really going on. Not that they have the whole picture, but these things are not just objects. They have an effect on consciousness. There's a phenomenal, phenomenological occurrence when you see something like these things in the sky. I mean, some people have a spiritual awakening. Some people... Um, 
become telepathic. Some people's lives changed. Lynn Katai, when she saw the Phoenix Lights in 1997, she got sucked down the rabbit hole and pursued this thing for 20 years. So there's something going on that it's not just objects. There's synchronicities. There's mm, strange things that sometimes happens in people's lives. Actually, there's a report from the government that says it can af- these UFOs, whatever you want to call them, can affect our cognitive awareness. So that's not just an object. That's a whole bigger set of um, of something else going on here. So. It's so. This is what I think the government is hinting at at us to understand. There's more to this, and there's more to to explain the phenomena than just calling it an object. Or you know, Jacques, you know who Jacques Vallée is? Jacques Vallée, one of the great. No, things. no, I haven't heard of him. Oh, Jacques Vallée was actually the, you know you saw Close Encounters of the Third Kind. There's a French guy played by oh yes Francois. Well, yes. that guy played by Francois Truffaut is really Jacques Vallée, who's been studying this since the early '60s. He's sort of the the godfather of ufology, and he says he doesn't buy the ETH. The ETH stands for the Extraterrestrial Hypothesis. So he says if we find out this whole thing is just about beings from other planets visiting us, I'll be very disappointed. There's something bigger. Right. There has to be. Yeah. It has to be something a little more. Yeah. There has to be a bigger implication. Yes. But what is that? Well, one of the theories. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Go ahead. We don't know. (laughs) Well, one of the theories that I'm, I mean, I want to see, I really want to see one of these really badly. Mm -hmm. I want to see an angel. I want to see a ghost. You know, I want to see all of these things, but the, one of the theories, um, I'm, now I'm going off on a tangent, okay. but one of the theories uh, <laughs> to the questions that are being asked is that these uh, beings um, want to be seen, right? Yes. yes. They are, and even in the um, the military video that was released, it, it was described in the in the book as they were like playing with the the pilots they were showing off they wanted to show like hey look we're here this is what we can do don't try to follow us you know and right. then they just take off it, and do you think that that's true that they do want to be seen and why is it that certain people like you had an experience and I want to get into that mm-hmm. too why is it that we're not all we're not all seeing it some people you know you could have two people looking at the sky one person sees the ufo the other person doesn't it's just not in their cognitive awareness um it's like that video of the guy the monk guy in the monkey suit walking across the basketball court did you ever see that no Oh, it's a cognitive test put out by Harvard University. And these, and I show this in my lectures. I tell people, just look at the guys in the white T-shirts passing the ball to each other. In the middle of that, there's, a guy, there's someone in a gorilla suit walking right across the basketball court. And 80 to 90% of the people don't see it. They don't see it. I told them not to look for it. So we've been so conditioned to see what we... Um, we we think is out there you know there's so much more right in our field of vision right now right in the field of possibilities but because there's no cognitive association to see such a thing we are um 
we're oblivious to it. So that's one thing. In Grant Cameron's essay, the second essay in the book, he, the theory of wow, he says, if you see a UFO, you were meant to see it. You're a part of the situation. It's like you're seeing them, but they're seeing you seeing them. And somehow your consciousness is connected. So I think this is happening slowly and slowly, perhaps to everyone. So Diane, you're going to see one someday <laughs> and you're going to say, what is that? I teacher? hope you're right. Because even when I've seen stuff, it's like, is that really? I mean, I'm totally into that. But when I actually have seen these things, like I have a friend who really is connected and we're at a picnic in New York City and he goes, they're here. And I said, what do you mean they're here? He goes, well, look straight up. And I did, and there was it was midday, and there's these little silver-like balls way up in the sky. And I said, yeah, I guess they're here. They weren't balloons. They were stationary. There was like a cluster of them, and it was sort of higher than what an airplane would fly. So, I, I mean, I can't believe it. Even though I've been, like, researching this for 30 years, it's like, it's like, oh, wow. It's like when I used to practice acupuncture, I studied acupuncture and they would do give someone's treatments and they would say they feel that they would feel better. I say, really? This really works? So it's like, it's like that. Really? These things are real? Because even for me and you, we're looking, we're open. This is not in our program of belief system. We have to really make room for a bigger piece of knowledge. So I'm still rearranging that and and trying. That's one of the reasons I wrote this book or I'm so fascinated or why I call my program New Realities because how do each of us, and maybe we're a little more perhaps educated than the regular, how do they make room for something that's not in their lives at all? They don't even care about it. They don't even, you know, they, there's no place for them to put something bigger like my family, it's like, oh, yeah, there's UFOs, big deal. I say, no, it is a big deal. This is the biggest deal human civilization has ever faced. And, uh, you know, I think we just have to keep hoping everyone will be as enthusiastic as we are about this topic. Well, I think they will. And, and your book coming out, you know, at the time that it has and this new information coming out is really going to spark a lot more people to to take a look at that. And I totally get what you're saying as far as, you know, not people not being aware and we're so staring at our phones, you know, mm -hmm. how are we going to see anything else? We're not paying attention. Um, but I mean, I would hope that if a, a ship or saucer or something landed near me that I would notice it. <laughs> like if I miss that opportunity, I'm going to be so upset, you know, but I, I think I'm going to be aware and definitely more so now, mm -hmm. you know, that I've read your book now. And I love the Grant uh, Cameron essay. That was amazing yeah. too. But I wanted to unpack another thing from the Nick Pope uh, essay. And he was a former UK minister of defense or worked in the ministry of defense. And he says that one of the main reasons that the government has kept this kind of information top secret is the acquisition of technology. And that part is a little scary to me to think that there's, you know, different government powers, you know, there's, there's Russia, there's China, you know, India, the, these other, other big countries that they're all wanting to examine or replicate alien technology or they're building materials or that kind of thing that it's almost like an arms race in yeah. a way that that's a little a little unnerving. I mean, what do you think of that? Well, I think it's unnerving because 
governments are uh, supposedly ideally uh, of and for and by the people. So if there's technology that can benefit a lot of us, why aren't, why isn't everyone? I mean, we have a problem with our, our divisions of countries and borders. Why aren't we sharing this world technology? Why aren't we, why are we still divided? This is part of the problem about why they're not landing. We're, we're not unified in our consciousness. So I do have a problem with that. And Nick Pope actually starts the, his essay by saying every story needs a villain. And he guesses he, because he, he's still sworn to secrecy. So I think, I mean, I wanted to include Nick because this is a multi-perspective book, but this is inside the government's mind. Oh, it's about technology. How can we create more weapons? How can we become better than the other countries? And that's that's really the wrong approach, but it's an approach lots of people have. This is not about weapons. This is about growing up, growing up as a universal humanity. I mean, we need to... You know, one of the reasons people say they've come since 1947 is because the atom bomb was dropped and that kind of really messes up time space. And they, these beings, whoever they are, came here to check out, uh, like saying, "Uh uh-oh, the teenagers have the car keys. We better check up on them. So um, I think they've been seen over nuclear missile silos, deactivating nuclear codes and we're just ignoring that we have to we have to work towards a one world peace integration that's really that's really part of why i think they're here so we can come to the next level of an integrated humanity that's my hope anyway yes yes i imagine they're looking at us like we would observe like diane fossey observed the apes or Jane Goodall observed the chimps Mm -hmm. that they're looking at us as, okay, they still have a long way to go Mm -hmm. before we should step in or before we should help or something like that. So is it mostly observation? Do you think they're just checking things out? What I think is they're really fed up with us by now. And I think they're showing up in greater numbers because somehow we affect everything else. Like, you know, if you have a little splinter in your finger, it really can upset your whole body. Where the splinter in the side of the galaxy that because we're still very primitive, it's like, because consciousness is one, you know, our consciousness, we're talking to each other, we're linking. Well, everyone's consciousness is linked and every everything, every whatever those beings are, we're linked to them too. If we're disturbed, like if someone in your family is a little out of control, it's going to affect you. We're really part of something bigger. And that's what we've also been dumbed down about by our religions, our politics, our media, our educations. No one has really said who we are as human beings is not limited just to the earth. I think actually we are in a sense of extraterrestrial origins. This consciousness, which is non-local is not just of the earth. I mean, the, the indigenous people have known this for millennium. And so the, the Australian Aborigines say we're part of the dream time and the dream time is everywhere. So yes, we have to grow up. 
they're here and they're and I don't think they can wait any longer because you know it's it's something shifting I think I think this is also have to do with climate changing global warming a, there's been a shift of vibration throughout this sector of the galaxy throughout creation itself we are vibrating whether you want to or like it or not at a quicker rate and so that means you know it's like graduating from elementary school and going into a, a junior high school it's like you have to kind of shape up to another level and we're being forced whether we want to or not i mean to get out of the horse and buggy thinking you know people want to hold on to their horse and buggy and you know there's this other thing going on so the universe is opening up to us and the government suspects it and many people are having direct experiences and the psychic phenomena are, are happening more and more. It's becoming more accepted. Remote viewing was funded by the CIA. So there's a whole realm of consciousness that is a part of reality that brings us to a new level of, of who we are as human beings. Yeah. It's so interesting what you're saying, because in, in essence that, you know, what's happening on the planet right now, global change, social change, that that's causing a, a shift in how we're vibrating collectively, right? Exactly. So all of us vibrating at that at that rate or at that frequency is, you know, affecting everything else. You mm -hmm. know, how, how people, spiritual teachers always say we are all one and that kind mm -hmm. of thing. Mm -hmm. Well, we are, right? So what's happening here? maybe the ripples are reaching other galaxies, other, other planets, other life forms. And they're saying, Hey, what's going on over here? Exactly. We better like, we better head over there and kind of check things out. Right. It's called the universe for some reason, one verse, one song, one rhythm. This is, we, I think, well, we're all connected here, the world and with the internet which was a military inside thing that got out to the public. And that was one of the good things we talked about. I mean, you know, they don't want to keep the technology itself sometimes, but yeah, there's something bigger with the internet that's connecting us all. The planet has gotten a lot smaller. Just think, you know, a virus that happened for whatever reason, who knows why in China stopped the whole world. It's just stopped everyone, everyone, everyone something has linked us in this past two years in a way that has never, ever happened before. I talked to friends who are living in the Andes mountains and they're, you know, coming down, they have to be quarantined or in India or China or Australia. It's like something has unified our minds in, in a tragic and beautiful right. way. I'm talking with Alan Steinfeld about his fascinating book, Making Contact, Preparing for the New Realities of Extraterrestrial Existence. We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Stay close. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The Voice of an Awakening World. Welcome back to Be Present, The Diane Ray Show. Welcome back. Thanks for joining me after the break here. I'm Diane Ray talking with Alan Steinfeld about his book, Making Contact, 
preparing for the new realities of extraterrestrial existence available now. You got to get this. <laughs> this is like, this is some really fascinating stuff. So Alan, before the break, we were talking a little bit about, you know, our connection and how, how that, that energy might be transmitting out through the universe and is causing these beings, you know, to, to kind of come here and, and check us out. Now, I want to jump back a little bit to Nick Pope's essay, because he said some really fascinating stuff in this essay. Um, and he was talking about, uh, you know, his time working on project, it's Project Condine. Is that yeah, how you pronounce yeah, it? Condine in UK. Yes. Yeah. And he said that, you know, some of the objection brought up by uh, officials, over their study, the studies of this UFO phenomenon, some people th- said that it was real but demonic in nature. Demonic, like this is it was actually talked about in like a a room, you yeah. know, with officials talking about things that are demonic. I mean, that really struck me. Like, wow! Not only is that bringing up the existence of an evil entity mm-hmm. or a Satan or something like that, which a lot of people don't believe in at all, and then it's being talked about in in the same sentence as. Um, you know, an unidentified alien phenomenon. It's, it was just kind of crazy. So I guess my question for you is like, does that even come into play? Does does that concept yeah, come in this discussion at all? Well, unfortunately, it doesn't come into my discussion, but unfortunately it was comes into the discussion within the U.S. government, within the, the Christian right, from what I've heard, um, from people like um, Linda Moulton Howe writes an essay, or even Luis Alessandro himself, he says there's factions in the government calling this whole thing demonic. Well, that's a really backwards, limited way of looking at an unknown phenomenon. Let's just label it as bad and put it away and not discuss it. We, well, I don't even know if those things exist, but this, this is not that. This is this that is a projection of people's fear, their religiousosity, their limitations. It, it, it not everything is black and white. It's like saying all people are bad, all people are good. This is a whole other level. And so it gets me a little upset when people label it that because they're they're stopping down their own exploration of knowledge. They're saying no. Don't look there. It's forbidden. And people inside government are putting pressure on some of the people who want to release this not to do it because it's going to open up these whole ideas of demons to the world. And maybe there are demons, but this is not that. This is something else. It's like it's like another form of prejudice in a way. It's like if if you demonize something different from you, it's okay to kill them and shoot them. This is what we learn in in, in different um, racial studies, if you make someone less than or calling or labeling them something, it's okay to treat them differently. So already, if we're starting to treat who's ever out there as less than or evil or, um, you know, I think we're the problems. Humans are, we have more to fear from each other than we do from these other beings. That's the big issue here. So let's look at what we've done to each other with wars and atrocities and holocausts and all these awful things that are still going on, you know? And so let's look at what we've done and not project our dark side onto something else that we have no idea about. We have to investigate the unknown. And this is the perfect opportunity not to 
put it in a box, but to welcome it, examine it. What can we learn from this? Obviously, these beings have developed a technology that can benefit us. Maybe they've developed a way of living peacefully with each other that hasn't destroyed their civilizations or Look at the history of the earth, of humankind, the civilizations that have come and gone because they've been destroyed by neighbors, by their own undoing, by, you know, wars. So we need a new story of this of this phenomenon. This is what we're approaching. That's why I actually quote Deepak Chopra in the beginning of the book is saying we need to tell a different story of humanity, not trapped by the mythologies of the past. And we need knowledge to open people up to possibilities. That's why I wrote this book. The subtitle, like you said, is Preparing for the New Realities of Extraterrestrial Existence. And I quote Joe Dispenza right at the end of the introduction. You know Joe Dispenza? He's been a great teacher for me. Oh, yes. Yeah, very familiar. Right. So Joe, and I quote him from, I, I, I don't know where I quote him from, but he says, knowledge is a precursor to experience. The more knowledge you have, the more prepared you are for the event. This is what I hope to present in this book. Knowledge of the phenomena so people don't freak out. They don't project their fears of the unknown onto a situation that it's not about fear and it's not about belief. It's about discovery. This is the key message of the book. Let's discover who we are and our place within a greater universe how we fit in, what these beings want, why they're here, and what do we, what can we learn? My, my whole approach to doing interviews and meeting people is what can I learn from meeting new people? And we're about to meet some new people. Right. People like in quotes, you know, because yes. I guess calling them people would seem, would seem kind of silly, but yes. yeah, that really, uh, that really was interesting when I read that in, in Nick's essay, Mm. that why would we go back to medieval times, you know, and, and start blaming some, you know, pitchfork guy or whatever you, you think that a Satan is. I mean, I just thought that was funny to have that in the same conversation, well, but I just wanted to I ask you to- one more thing. I just want to say, I think these beings have been very compassionate with us. They haven't landed on the white house alone. They haven't freaked us out. There haven't been, there have been some mass sightings, but you know, they come and they go. So it gives us time to integrate this. This is their approach. It's not like all at once because people are not ready for that. So I think there is a level we have to, that they're respecting our very small mindedness and slowly prying open the can. So go ahead. Right. Well, I was going to say they, I mean, obviously with the technology that we've seen that they have their level of advancement, I mean, really, if they wanted to do something to us, they could have quite easily. And a long time ago. And they they don't. Yeah. I I, I think think they know. Yeah. Don't you think, don't you think they know that from their observation of us, that it's kind of like poking the bear, right? They're not going to poke us knowing that we'll react like, you know, the wild dog or the the scorpion or the snake or, you know, something that you're agitating. Like, let's leave this primitive uh, group alone for a while. Let them know we're here and that kind of thing. Right. Let's become friendly. Like, you know, you have a little dog that's uncomfortable and like you, you slowly approach them, you give them a little food, you give them a little technology, you say, okay, we're your friends. 
we see you have some problems here on planet Earth. They're not going to solve the problems for us. But I think if we open up to this, if the government comes out with this, if people start talking about this, then we can realize that we, like we said before, we're really one planet. We're here to help each other out of a mess, a really awful mess that we've created and and be open to something new. And that's exciting. Very exciting. Now, I wanted to bring up another uh, essay that I thought was, was really interesting, and that's Daryl Anka and Bashar. And I've been familiar with his work, you know, I've watched some of his videos and, and like, I'll, and I'll be honest, I was like, uh, you know, it's kind of wacky. And I, I don't know if I really, if I really get it. But then when I read his essay, I thought, okay, you know, he's really making some interesting points here. And kind of just to piggyback what we were just talking about, when he's shared the information that he's received from Bashar, he he says that Bashar has told him that they wouldn't force their presence on us, that that that's been his experience. So I just thought it was interesting. We were just talking about mm-hmm. what we think that they're here to do. Well, and also well, he brought up another a good point about you know, scientists working for SETI, the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence, the institute there is selling, sending radio signals out. The reason we're not getting information back is because they don't recognize radio signals. That's so old. We're not like, oh, well, that makes sense. We're not even listening to a radio anymore, hardly. So like, why would like a, a civilization probably thousands of years in advance look at a primitive technology. I mean, we can't read hieroglyphics anymore. That was a kind of old way of communicating. So that is the key point. Why are we still giving money to SETI when there are UFOs here? The government has, I would say, thousands of the of footage of these craft. You know, they've been coming and going since the 1950s, for sure. There was this sighting over the Capitol in 1951. Um, they're here. Like also, Diane, if you want to see UFOs, come to Sedona and go out on one of these night vision glasses tours. They amplify the light with these military glasses and you will see things in the sky that are unexplainable. We saw 40 objects the other night with night vision glasses. So they're out there and there's lots of them that are coming and going And some of them want to be seen, but some of them maybe don't want to be seen. So uh, we don't understand what they're doing here. We can guess, just like calling these things demons. That's like a stupid guess, but we can guess like, why are they here? It's like your dog looking at you on the computer and thinking it knows what you're doing. And it has no concept of what we're up to as all right, so I don't think this is just my feeling that we have any idea of what they may be up to. We can guess, but I don't think we're educated enough to guess. But also, that doesn't mean they're greater than us. They may be more evolved intellectually and technologically, but we can meet them on an even playing field. Well, one of the essays that kind of digs into that a little bit is Mary Rodwell's essay on the new human. What? Why are they here? Well, maybe they're here for certain reasons to create a new species or a new human. That kind of blew me away. Well, I think these children that are being born with ADHD and um, autism, Asperger's, maybe they're just living at a different frequency. So yeah, Mary Rodwell has become a good friend and she's gone around the world 
talking to these young children that seem to be showing up in different families, talk, um, saying that um, these things are happening. And um, uh, let me just read a little piece of what one of these um, vision uh, visionary children, sometimes they're as young as two or three years old or five or six or 10. Um, one of these uh, young people, I think she was about six or seven, says making contact with a non-human race occurred before I was born. So that's a whole other belief system we're getting into. These beings are my family before I came to the earth. And I had a close relationship with them, which continues to me now after my birth. So children are being born with memories of other places, other times. And I and I don't think it's just imagination. I think we have to trust what some of these people are saying, what some of the contactees are saying, what, what Daryl, you mentioned Daryl, he's one of my favorite people because he's had, if you believe it, a 38-year relationship with this extraterrestrial Bashar. He's been talking right. to him. So um, I think you know, we just have to get used to the fact that it's not all one way of looking at reality. And this is what the ETs also do. They shake up our notions of how we want the world to be. You know, uh, Timothy Leary used to say the reason he was forbidden to, to take LSD or was made illegal, not that I'm recommending LSD, but he said the thought police doesn't want him to think different thoughts. That was the reason these psychedelics were made illegal, not because they were dangerous. I mean, maybe for some people, I'm not recommending, I'm just saying everyone in the media, they, I mean, it's a little more diverse now than when we had just three television stations. But basically, everyone is supposed to think the same thoughts and live in the same way so we can be more controllable. And the UFO approach just blows it all out of the water in a, in a good way. And, and that's, and we have to become more individualized about our own experience. Quantum physics is showing us that reality is subjective. And I think if you've had an experience, I can't argue with you about your experience. I can't tell you it didn't happen. It may not be what you think, but that's your experience. And this is what, People who are having visions of ETs, interacting with them and delivering messages like Daryl, but many other people, um, I, I want to trust that what they're saying is real. I want to open my mind beyond my belief system and consider these other factors. And I hope the world does that because that's one way to overcome our prejudices. Well, we definitely need to be more open-minded as a whole. That's for sure. And I... I totally understand what you're saying as far as things I've experienced. Like I've had some strange and, and different things that I couldn't explain that have happened to me. Unfortunately, nothing that I've been able to say has been like an extraterrestrial experience. Maybe that will happen. But I was hoping while we had some time, we've got about 15 minutes left, you could share some of your experience because you do uh, share that in the book. Right. I mean, I don't think I'd really be writing a book like this or compiling an, a bunch of essays if I wasn't personally involved and, you know, I was always interested in the stars and Star Trek and science fiction. I just loved because I knew there was more to the world um, than what 
was happening to me in suburban America, you know, growing up outside of New York. So what was these? But I didn't really have an experience until I took this cross-country trip with this girlfriend who actually met in Sedona, actually. And we were driving back east and we stopped along the road and we were just really tired. But we felt like we were frozen in the like suspended animation. And we both woke up. I had just talked to her like last year and said, you remember that time? And this was like 30 years ago. And she goes, yeah, you remember when we were frozen? And so that, so it was an experience that stayed with us, but I had a mark on the back of my leg, a four prong puncture mark. And at the time I said to myself, as we're kind of pulling out of that little parking spot, did something weird happen? I was too, um, I don't know, maybe freaked out to go there to consider it. But then I, for some reason, coincidentally, and maybe there's no coincidences, I started to run into people who were uh, working with Bud Hopkins. You know who Bud Hopkins is? He's one of the godfathers of abductions. He wrote a book called Missing Time, Intruders was another book. So I just happened to meet these people. I talked about this mark on the back of my leg and they said, oh yeah, that's an abduction scar. I said, really? And it sort of freaked me out. It's like, am I really, I mean, cause I didn't remember anything. And I think the reason we don't remember things is cause it's traumatic, not because they're bad or evil, but because, and even for me who have been so into this stuff, it's, it is so difficult to integrate the presence of these other beings into this 3D reality because they're not 3D. They exist at a different vibratory rate from what I've understood. It's like ghosts. Did you say you had some paranormal experiences and um, ghost type things? Yes. I believe you. I don't think that's your imagination. Like, why would you be making that up for, you don't have any reason, you're not crazy and there's no, but maybe instead of thinking these people are crazy, maybe let's incorporate these anomalies into a bigger worldview and say, Diane, I absolutely believe that you had an experience with another worldly, different vibrational being. And if we can all accept that, yeah, of course there are crazy people who see things and make things up, but not us necessarily, maybe us, but no, not us. But I think (laughs) if we can trust each other, because I believe that happened to you. And I think something like that, I did meet a ghost in a haunt. It was like someone said that house is haunted. I said, no, I'm sleeping there anyway. And something was waking me up in the middle of the night and in a dream state, I just threw this being out of the house because I wanted to sleep. So I don't know. But that I mean, I think what we know of this 3D reality is the simplest plane. It is is the densest maybe. But the world, the universe, the greater multiverse is not as simple as we've been conditioned to think it is. There are so many levels of reality. It's like just having your radio tuned to one station and thinking, oh, that's, and you just move. Actually, William James said this in the 1890s, just shift your consciousness a little bit and worlds appear, whether that's dream states or altered states for whatever reason, there are these other realities. And this is sort of like the essence of the book that we have to get used to using our consciousness manually to shift reality 
and welcome other beings that live in other vibratory states. We've been so um, monographed and thinking it's just us, it's just here, it's just now, but consciousness, our brain as a hardware device has an internet or an internet feature that we haven't turned on. We have to turn on the software and says, yes, internet is active. You can receive messages from off your, you know, before the internet, whatever was programmed in your computer was all that you actually would see on your computer. If someone didn't tell you there was an internet, you were getting information from outside your hardware, you would say they were crazy. They were, it was impossible. But I'm saying our right brain in particular is hooked into something that is non-linear and non-local. And when we access that, like people have done with remote viewing or dream states or visionary states, they start to tap into what's beyond the programming. And we all have to open up these new neural nets of perception. As Joe Dispenza says, we have to create new neural nets of awareness because we've been so... Um, pattern to think in the same old way about the same old things, getting the same old life, that what the COVID quarantine did was rattle that loose. And what the ET things are doing, whatever they are, there's something, I don't know if they're otherworldly, interdimensional time travels, but we have to start to say there is something going on. And I think in a way, this is what the government is trying to do slowly. Well, they're real. We don't know what they are. We can't say what they are because they have no idea what they are. And that's been some of the secret. But let's just lay it all out on the table. Let's grow up. Let's not tell secrets anymore from each other. You know, like, why would I, why would you, well, why would someone want to hide the fact that there's a whole other world? Because then they don't get the military funding if they're protecting us. There's a whole reason why. But that's out of date at this point, as far as I'm concerned. We're not, we don't need, hopefully, to protect ourselves from each other. We're one world. I know that's sort of naive, but let's grow up and let's work together because there are global problems, environmental problems that don't know borders. It is not, it is about us living together. And I think whoever these beings are, they have learned to live as a planetary civilization. And I think they're here to help assist us. This is what Bashar says in making this transition from a isolated community to a, a more cosmic community. Right. And you can see just from the, the passion that I can hear you talking about this, that when you kind of, uh, you know, I'm sure people have said, go down the rabbit hole, you know, once you start opening your mind up to some of these ideas, or if you have had a direct experience like you have, you're forever changed. I mean, I know I am from things that I've, I've experienced or, or seen that I, you know, I have a, a set of, of beliefs and I'm fascinated and intrigued and I want to find out more. So the more people that open themselves up to, to some of these ideas, you know, the, the better for all of us. And we'll, we'll all, you know, well, see what happens more, in the future. People coming out with their UFO stories. Maybe what you thought was a ghost was really an ET could be right. I mean, and, and, you know, at this point, after reading the book, 
I'm, I'm open to that. It, it could, it could be, Thank you. Um, you know, it's been so great to talk with you. Uh, just so amazing. I'm really enjoying the book. Oh, good. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping see- that, uh, everyone that's listening to this, all of our listeners out there will pick this up. You know, it's available right now, making contact, preparing for the new realities of extraterrestrial existence. And Alan, I'm sure, mm. you know, this year, um, is going to be busy for you. I'm going to see yep. you popping up in a lot of places. Oh, you know so. What? I just wanted to say, I wanted to make this book accessible to the reader. I wanted them to make it an easy read and not have to um, stretch their minds too much, but incubate them slowly into a new way of, of seeing possibilities. Because once we see possibilities there, I think we see it in other parts of our lives. So that's also, it's a book about human potential, really. Yes, there are aliens, but it's more about us than it is about them. So that's a message. And we have to change as a species. So I appreciate your interest and your you know, intelligent questions, your inquiries. Well, I hope people check out your show. You're still doing your YouTube channel, right? Almost like three or four times a day sometimes. Yes, on youtube.com <laughs> slash new realities. You know, for me... The book has only um, made me ask more questions. This is not the final word, but it's a great introduction for people who know nothing about this. And now there's hearing it in the news and they want to say, oh, yeah, what is that thing about UFOs? Are they real? What do people experts? So I talk to the best experts in the field. What do they have to say after, you know, 50 years of study? And these are not crazy people. These are the most intelligent people in any fields. They're they're people who are polymaths and many different levels of understanding. So they're not just studying UFOs, although that's their interest, but they're equating it to fields of consciousness, to fields of sociology, psychology, technology, biology, I mean, history. I mean, this field opens, UFOs open up a whole wider range in all these other related um, arts and, and sciences. Really, it, it has to. It is a sea change for human civilization. Well, it is. We're going to hear a lot more. This is such a fascinating topic. And Alan, thank you so much for sharing this with us today. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Life is hard, and sometimes you need a little help and guidance. I'm Laura West, host of a Guided Life podcast, and I believe that help is all around us. We just have to ask for it. The universe has a way of guiding us forward with the help of our past loved ones, angels, spirit guides, and ascended masters. On the podcast, I love to explore these ideas with incredible guests and let people know that they are never alone. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you can join me on this journey. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm network and wherever you get your podcasts.